Hey there, Shiro listeners, Saturn Dave here, reminding you that you must play Sega Saturn, and that it's contributions from listeners like you that help keep this and our other shows hosted and available on demand. In addition to our website, segasaturnshiro.com, where you can find all of the most up-to-date news and information from around the Sega Saturn scene. If you'd like to show your support and gain access to several perks, visit patreon.com slash shiromediagroup to become a Patreon supporter. If a monthly donation isn't possible, no worries. We still value your support in liking and sharing our content on social media and joining our Discord community to become a part of the Saturn conversation. Thank you for being a loyal listener and a part of this great community. And as always, Saturn Dave here from Sega Saturn Shiro, and today we're pulling from the Shiro archive an early interview with the prominent Sega YouTuber Sega Lord X. This interview was recorded March 29th, 2018, and covers everything from the start of his YouTube channel to the relaunch of his channel and a touching story about how the Sega Saturn saved his life. The Shiros who conducted this interview are myself, Patrick Trainer, and Claire Sawyer. This interview has been uploaded for archival purposes and may be used with permission. Yeah, so uh, without further ado, did you want to uh, start us off with the first question, Dave? Sure. So, Mel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. And um, kicking this interview off, I just wanted to ask you a few Sega-centric questions. Uh, first off, how long have you been a Sega fan, and what really got you started? I pretty much was a Sega fan from the very beginning of when I started playing games in the early 80s. Uh, Sega's arcade explosion, you know, there with their super scalers right around 85 is when I really became a diehard Sega guy. You know, I was around 10 years old then. I was enamored with the arcade scene and it just pretty much went right into consoles from there. Nice. What would you say your favorite uh, arcade system of that era was or arcade game? The game that blew me away the most in that little stretch of time was probably Thunderblade. It's not the best playing Sega game, but when you really consider the year that game was launched, it was like 86, 87. That game absolutely blew everything else out the water graphically. I mean, I could stand in the arcade and just watch that game loop on demo for hours. It was so incredible looking. Nice. Yeah, it really was. It's a great game. All right, Mel, as a follow-up, I'd like to know, as someone who's been a Sega fan for a very long time, what is your favorite Sega console and why is it your favorite? This one's pretty easy. It's definitely the Sega Saturn uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, it was pretty much the first system that I ever imported at the very first day it was available in Japan. Uh, being in that import scene from the very beginning gave me an insight into that system like I had never had before. I experienced most of its games the first day they were available. Um, and it came at a time in my life that was really rough. And that system was something for me to cling to. And I did. And no system has even compared to it since. So we did you actually get it day one in port? How exactly did that work back in the 90s? I mean, I know nowadays we have all these Facebook, uh, Facebook sellers, all these guys that do these import things online. But 
What was it like in like 94 when the system first dropped? Well, basically, I was lucky enough to know when the system was actually going to be released. Uh, the game magazines at the time had made it pretty well known that the system was going to launch in late November. I pretty much had an import store that I dealt with regularly because I had been buying PC Engine and Mega Drive games pretty frequently up to that point. And I called them up. They were going to have it virtually the same day it launched in Japan. And of course, to get it here, it was a lot more expensive, man. And you had to buy a bundle. You could not buy just the system. And the bundle came with Virtua Fighter and a puzzle game called Tama. Yeah, it was $700, man, to get it that first day. And they only would ship it uh, UPS uh, insured. And that added like another, it was nearly like $100 additional just for the shipping. Wow. And that's, and that's 90, 1994 money, right? That's not inflated for today, right? Oh, of course. I mean, it was a very, very expensive investment. That's dedication. At, yeah. I mean, d did you do anything like that before with any, any of the other systems or was the Saturn your first import system? I imported a Mega Drive and a PC Engine and a Super Famicom before that, but none of them the first day they were available. The Saturn was my first import system that I got it the first day it was available. That's insane. You, you must have been like the, the talk of all your friends, like, oh, man, you know, he got a Sega Saturn. Oh, yeah. When uh, when the guys at the local Babbage's found out, you know, Babbage's was GameStop back in those days. And when yeah. the guys at the Babbage's found out about it, they were like, oh, my God, man, you've got to make videos. You've got to show us what it is. And, yeah, I was pretty popular there for a number of months before Sega ruined it all with the impromptu U.S. launch, man. So was the, the hype there, though, like when you had it? I mean... Did it feel any different from when the American system came out? When the Japanese system launched, I think Sega was in an incredible position. There was a lot of hype leading up. People were interested in what Sega was doing for a next generation console. And it was the year of bad press, you know, <laughs> that was in 1995 that strangled that excitement because it was becoming pretty uh, obvious that the Sega uh, Saturn wasn't going to have a Sonic the Hedgehog at launch. Most of the Genesis properties that had been really popular were nowhere to be found for the system. And everybody was looking at the Sony PlayStation like, wow, this thing is getting a lot of run in the game magazines and the media. And all of that together just stifled the Saturn. And it really hurt it when, you know, it finally did get here. Yeah. Uh, going into that, uh, what would you say your favorite Sega Saturn game is? I mean, out of all those imports and the U.S. release, you must have had at least a good number of uh, both, right? Oh, yeah. Um, if I had to name an overall game that is my favorite, it would be Dragon Force uh, without question. I mean, I wouldn't even have to think twice about it. To this day, it's still in my opinion, one of the most unique games on the system. It hasn't had any follow-ups on any other systems, you know, except for the PS2 remake. 
And there, you know, that game just has so much replay value. It's a long game. It's got multiple characters that you can play through with. The story changes a little each time you play it. And I mean, that game is worth every penny of its current price, in my opinion. How much is it going for now? Um, I think if you get the U.S. version complete in box, you're probably looking at a little over a hundred bucks. I've seen it go disc only, uh, fairly reasonable. If you watch the auctions, a lot of times a disc only can go anywhere between sixty and eighty dollars. Nice, that's not a bad price. Mel, have you uh, had a chance to play the translation of Dragon Force Two? Oh yeah, I've gone through and defeated that with all the characters as well. That is an incredible game too. I really enjoyed it. I can't believe they finally got the English translation done. Fantastic game, but the first one is still better. Mm-hmm. Cool. So being Lord of all things Sega, I'm just curious, you know, your YouTube channel popped up, I guess a couple years ago and you started small and just, it blew up kind of overnight. And I'm just wondering like, What made you decide to start a YouTube channel in the first place? Oh, in the very beginning, I think it was just the overall lack of Sega personalities on YouTube. I mean, at the time when I was looking at YouTube, you had channels like uh, Saturn Memories, which were, I mean, they were fun channels, but they were gameplay channels. You know, there wasn't anybody pimping Sega as this classic game, you know, company and these awesome systems and games and talking about that primarily. And it's like, where is Sega's love at here? It's, it's all Nintendo. It's all, or it's all modern stuff with Sony and Microsoft. I mean, where are the Sega representatives at? And that's what really made me want it to start uh, the YouTube channel. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there are a lot of diehard Sega fans, but they kind of stay in the woodwork. You know, like they, they're not really a whole lot of them that are interested in coming out and doing video and stuff like that. You get tons of people that are just Nintendo this and that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, even at even locally, I mean, at a local convention I went to, uh, I had I had a, a two PVM setup with a, a Saturn and Dreamcast, and then a Sega CD the other day, and I was really the only one that had any Sega console representation there i mean all they had in the free play area was playstation nintendo uh playstation nintendo and even xbox was there with all their consoles it's kind of a metaphor yeah it's it's sad Uh, even sam and i were joking on twitter um that one australian guy posted uh uh xbox microsoft sony fans show your love and then sam was like what about us uh, us sega guys and nobody, nobody like responded from there. It was all the Sega guys talking back and forth. Like it was me, uh, Mastercast, Saturn Memories, Sam. And it was like perfect analogy of where Sega is today. Yeah, guys, I've got to say that that's been my experience too. Um, here locally, there are some Nintendo content creators that live around me, but I have never met another Sega fan. So I think the climate is pretty similar here where I am. So you're a rare creature where you are. (laughs) So, Mel, we've kind of all established at this point after watching your videos for years that you are the Lord of Sega. What's behind that name? How did you come up with Sega Lord X? Well, sort of taking a cue from what I was just saying, it was because Sega didn't really have any representation on YouTube outside of gameplay channels. 
pretty much when I made up the name, it was just sort of like, hey, I want people when they click my channel and they see that banner at the top, there is no question about what you are going to see on my channel. There is no, you know, doubt, you know, I, you're not here to see anything Nintendo. You're not here to see anything modern. You are here because a guy is calling himself Sega Lord and he's going to preach to you about the Sega love. Was the X like a nod at like Dracula X or Shinobi X or? You know what it was is when I came up with the name in the beginning, it was just going to be Sega Lord. I mean, I thought that was good enough, but there was a rapper that I kept finding in Google searches that was named Lord Sega. So I was like, man, I need something extra so that if someone searches for something of mine on YouTube or whatever, that it would point them directly towards me and not towards other content. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was sitting there like, you know what? I'll just add an X on the end of it, man. And the name was born right then. So as a YouTuber, I know we, there's a lot of stuff going on now and, you know, a lot of a lot of things going on with subscriptions and uh, monetizations and all that other stuff. But I was curious, what was the first year of Sega Lord X when you started on YouTube? What was that like? Um, in the very beginning, it was a real learning experience for the content that I was making and how YouTube works. Um, I had never done any type of audio video presentation or edited any kind of, you know, media content whatsoever. So growing, my videos started out fairly poorly. I am not afraid to admit um, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And it took some time to get the video right, get the audio right. But I think there at the end, before I shut the channel down, you know, I was actually getting out some content that, I mean, I think I was really starting to produce stuff that was at the very least comparable to what some of the bigger YouTubers was putting out. Mm -hmm. And um, YouTube itself goes, YouTube is the most backwards, you know, place I have ever dealt with in terms of content creation since then. Um, YouTube does not make it easy for the small guys to start. Your content does not show up in any searches. I mean, I can go on YouTube and I can type the exact name of my channel or one of my videos and I'm still 30 videos down the list, you know? So, yeah. you know how I found you is, um, I do this thing where I just get bored of, all of the big guys that are out there because they've all been played out. You know, some of their stuff is really good. Some of it, uh, you know, some of it connects, but a, a lot of it is just, you know, the same old thing done over and over again. And um, one thing I kind of like to do is type in Sega Saturn and then just sort by like the most recently uploaded because I like to see what new folks are doing, you know? And that's one day I did that and you're like one of your first videos came up and I was just like, oh, look at this guy. Like, he's got a good delivery and he knows what he's talking about. And I, and, and I subbed and it was like from there, you know, started shouting your channel to my friends and saying, look, this guy's up and coming. You guys got to subscribe. You guys got to check this guy out. There's another, there's a couple other people on YouTube I feel that way about. And the only way I was able to find them was just by sorting by most recent. So that's real funny that you should say that YouTube yeah. really does try to hide content. 
Yeah, I mean, well, there's so much of it on there. I mean, people that 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 uh, sort of make this all this content. There's so much. I mean, I mean, just the other day, I looked for the the Saturn cases, and I saw like five like five or ten people voting it, and most of it was just you know the popular guys that put the videos up. Oh, hey, Saturn cases. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and nothing, nothing, nothing. I know a lot of people have a lot of talent, but a lot of those videos are just, just like a crappy webcam, a crappy USB mic, and talking about it like this, really close up. And but I mean, I and mean, even with us, I mean, it's kind of hard to find our videos. I mean, it's just, just really high competition. What What was your least favorite thing? You know, considering the challenges you face, like what was your least favorite thing about your YouTube channel? Um, I would probably say that first year, the least favorite thing was pretty much just learning how to deliver where I sounded like I thought I, you know, or at least I wanted to. Um, I mean, you're really critical of yourself when you make content. You know, you will go back and you will watch your video that you're editing or listen to a video that you're making and you will critique the hell out of yourself and you will spend hours editing a video just trying to get it to your satisfaction. And I found, man, that I was really hard on myself because I wanted it to be better. I wanted the delivery to be better. I wanted the video quality to be better. I wanted segues and I wanted you know, um, you know, just, I just wanted the video to be better every time. And I spent so much time that, you know, I was just wearing myself out in post trying to get the thing the way that I wanted to. And I really put a ton of stress on myself. Mm -hmm. And that was actually one of the reasons why it led to me closing the channel down because the way that I was going in that first year and when my channel began to get popular, it actually got worse because I went from putting, you know, two or three hours a day into it, trying to, you know, improve my videos. When I started to get popular, I was like, man, I think I'm going to actually have a shot at making it here. I started putting in six, seven hours a day. You know, I was literally working two jobs with my real life job and then coming home and I had a whole nother job making YouTube content. Wow. And yeah, the stress, the stress of that really got to me in the end. So do you feel that in terms of a lot of the YouTubers getting comfortable and just making the content, it just, it's just more of a, it feels more of a job than actual something fun that people want to do. Is that how it started to feel for you as well? think that that's a real danger if you're starting out as a YouTube or, or any kind of content creator, really. You really do need to pace yourself. You need to have realistic goals where you are not running yourself into the ground. Nearly every person that starts this starts it because they love what they want you know, they love what they do. They want to talk about something they're passionate about. And what ends up happening is, is you end up running yourself into the ground. You're hard on yourself. You're pushing yourself. You're trying to get better. And before you know it, it is a job to you. It's no longer fun. And you really find yourself in a situation where do you even want to continue it? Because now it's stressful as hell. And let me tell you something, unless you have 500,000 subscribers, you are not making YouTube content to make money because there is very little money in it. Exactly. So Mel, you know, you've gained all this insight 
in the years that you've been doing this. And now that you've taken a little break from that and you're, you know, having this fresh start with your channel, are there any things that you're planning to change? Are you going to take a different approach? Uh, actually, yeah, the channel is going, the channel is definitely gone through a renaissance. Uh, if you were subscribed to my content before, you are going to notice an immediate change in how I do my videos. When I started doing my YouTube content, it as these are old games. A lot of them are not deep. A lot of them are single play experiences because so many of them sucked. And I wanted to cover a large variety of them in every video. Basically, I wanted to cover like 8 to 12 games in every video because I wanted to hit genres and game types that would appeal to every single player so that no matter what you were looking for, there would be something in my video that appealed to you. But, you know, I learned that that was a terrible way of making videos because number one, I was burning through the Saturn library like you wouldn't believe, man. I mean, in that year I was making Saturn videos, I covered a huge portion of the Saturn's library. And the thing was, is, is that because I covered so many games, those videos were huge. You know, they were 20 and 30 minutes of big production, you know, time. And it was taking me three, four days of hard work to put these videos together. And you know, I just realized that's not the way to do it. I've changed it for the uh, new channel and the videos are shorter. They're more targeted and focused on single uh, games or a series of games. And I still think uh, if you were subscribed before, you should still enjoy it. I'm still, you know, I'm still putting a, a lot of passion and love into it. So hopefully it'll work out. Definitely. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that, uh, that you went on a little bit earlier is that uh, that the Saturn saved your life. Like, I mean, literally saved your life. I mean, could you uh, clarify that a little bit for us? Oh, boy, that's an, that's actually a pretty long story. Um, I'll try to sum it up for you guys we as best time. I can. All right. Uh, basically, at the end of 1993, I am graduated from high school. I have got a job with a security company. I am engaged to my high school sweetheart. I have a brand new baby girl that's a few months old. Um, I am pretty much locked and loaded on where my life is going to go. And I put myself in the wrong place at the wrong time around the wrong people. I wound up getting myself into a lot of trouble, getting myself arrested, and I was incarcerated. It was a span of four months. This happened. Everything went down. I went through the court system, and I was in jail, you know, and my life absolutely nosedived at that point. I lost my fiance. She left, took my baby girl with her. I, of course, was incarcerated, so I lost my job. S starting classes at a technical college for an electronics technician, which I had to drop out of at that particular point, went from absolutely, you know, perfect. I knew where I was to I lost everything. And uh, I didn't serve a lot of time, thankfully, because they were my first offenses. 
but I got out of jail in early 1994 and I got out. I had nothing. I lost everything. I was in a very funky depression. And let me make this clear. Depression is something that you have no idea what it is until you experience it. When somebody said they were depressed, I thought they were sad idea, the clinical meaning of depression until I went through it. And I was the lowest of the low at that point, lost everything, just gotten out of jail. I didn't have the hope that I had had before. And I was thinking very dark, very bad thoughts, man. And my mother made me go to the store. She said, get out the house you know, do something with yourself, get back out there, find, find your way again. And while I was out the house buying me some groceries because I had stopped eating, I saw on the rack a game magazine talking about the new video game systems coming out that year. And in that magazine, it started to talk about the Sega Saturn and the Sony PlayStation. I read it. And I kept reading it. I read the same articles in that magazine over and over. When I was a kid, man, that my biggest passion in life was gaming. It was my hobby. It was the one thing I loved and I was good at. And I focused on it hard. I mean, I focused as hard as I could to get myself out of where I was. You know, that darkness, man, was clawing at me. It was pulling me down. And you know, I just, I, I needed anything that had, you know, any hope of me getting out of that. And I focused everything I could on that hobby and what was going on. And so what I did was, is, is I started making plans. It's like, hey, the Saturn is coming out later this year. If I want this thing, I need money. I don't have a job right now. Let me go out and get a job. So that's what I did. I went out and I got a job. This is an entry-level job. It sucks. I want a better job. I need to go back to school. So I went back to school. And what I did was, is that was my focus. I wanted a job. I wanted a better job. And all of this was leading up to, I'm going to buy the Sega Saturn the day it launches in Japan. And that right now is my life's goal. I'm not going to think about anything else. I'm not going to think about everything that has went wrong in my life. I'm just, go I'm just going to concentrate on this machine. And that's what I did, man. And I got that job. I went back to school. I got a better job, you know, and I bought that system the day it was available. And the job that I actually ended up getting, I met another girl. I reconnected with a friend from high school I hadn't talked to in years. He was a Sega fan. He was interested in the Saturn. And before you know it, I had a best friend back. I had another girl in my life to show me that, hey, life isn't over, man. There's, you know, there's always another one out there. And before you knew it, man, I was back almost where I was before and concentrating on that system, my love for the hobby, my love for gaming, my love for Sega pulled me out of a place. I can't even begin to tell you how bad it really, really was. Then the thoughts going through my mind were awful. And, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here today, believe it or not, as cheesy as it sounds, as stupid as it sounds, because I focused on that one 
hope, that one thing from my childhood that I loved. And it got me out of that bad space that I was in. Wow. That was a great story, Mel. I can't, I'm really happy for you that you're able to get that piece from a little console from Japan and all that work towards it made you a better person. It's, it's really great. I'm really happy for you that you overcame everything. Thank you, Sega. Yeah. Thank you, Sega. You took that U.S. (laughs) advertising to heart. With Sega Saturn, nothing else matters. He literally headed for Saturn. Yeah. And he made it better for himself. What a wonderful outcome. And now you're here with us. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, wow. I don't even know how to follow up. Uh, That was a great story. I'm really glad that you were able to tell us. I'm going to close out this interview with just one other thing. You know, we've been kicking around. We've been wondering. When your channel came to a close, it wasn't without a little bit of coincidence. You know, the timing on things, you know, timing just fell as it did. But uh, one of the last videos I saw you put out was a video about a little black box that has, it's not a Sega Saturn. And it's also something that has become um, a subject of controversy, you know, in the retro gaming market. It was called the CD. And, and I, you know, I just want to kind of put this topic to bed because I know that there are, are a lot of folks out there that, you know, might speculate on why you closed down your channel and they might think that that has something to do with it. We all know that that is not the case, but I kind of wanted, if you could just speak openly about that and just let us know what was that whole issue with the CD console? Well, the CD console was, I mean, it was a great learning experience for me in the end. Um, It was a combination of, you know, enthusiasm, ignorance, and just the complete lack of me doing my homework on what I was doing. Um, I can't link my channel ending to CD. I mean, I can't be mad at them for it because like you say, the coincidence was really unbelievable because I dropped that CD video. There was a bit of controversy uh, uh, swirling around it. And then literally, what, two, three days later, I closed my channel. So, you know, it wasn't hard to, you know, go far to reach the conclusion that one had something to do with the other. What happened was, is, is that uh, months before that video dropped, I was approached by the guy that was in charge of the CD project. Was I interested in a classic video game system that played CD-ROMs? You have to remember, my channel is tiny, you know, comparative to other places. No one has ever stepped forward to offer me a prototype of any kind. So, of course, I was excited for it, man. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get to cover a prototype on YouTube, man. I'm really coming up. And that's where that enthusiasm part came in, man, because I was really excited for it. The Mm -hmm. ignorant part came because, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, how the people on YouTube or Twitter or Reddit or whatever, I didn't know that they would take anything that I said or put on my channel as a vote of confidence in a product or they would see it as an endorsement. You know, I was just looking at it as, as I was just bringing it to the attention of people. I didn't review it. I knew it was a preview product. I said in the video multiple times, hey, this thing isn't done. It, I'm, you know, I don't know 
you know, I don't have the final software for it and so on and so forth. So that's how I was looking at it. Well, of course, when the video dropped, I had multiple people hit me in the comments with, hey, this thing is just an orange pie and they've stolen the software. Now, to be full, to be perfectly clear, I, in the beginning, thought they were just talking about the system requiring the BIOS files. The, you know, initial problem was I actually did not know the real reason behind it, that the uh, Libretro and um, RetroArt guys, their software was actually running on the thing. Of course, I put the video up telling people about it. Hey, this thing is cool. Oh, my God, it plays Sega CD games. And look, it runs Dracula X. And you can, you know, go to Indiegogo and you can buy your or pre-order one here. It comes out next year. Well, yeah. then, of course, that, that's when the uh, the entire thing just came to my attention like a flood and had a mess after that. Isn't it true, though, that they only let you have it for like two days and you were sworn to not open it? Like you weren't even allowed to open it up? Correct. Um, I actually received it on a Friday. I was told, do not open it. The software and hardware is not final. This is simply a preview prototype. And I could keep it for two days and I had to send it back. So I had the unit for two days. I could not open it. I didn't know what was running inside the thing. And I sent it back to them. And again, that was where the ignorance part comes in so hard for me because, because it was appearing that I was putting my stamp of approval on it without me knowing these things, I was basically asking for it. You know, I was asking for people to question me about it because I didn't really, I didn't ask any hard questions about it. I was just excited to have the thing. I was just telling people, hey, this thing exists. And it ended up being a lot more than that. And boy, once it became known that it was just an orange pie and it became known that it was using software from some other place that did not give their you know, their blessing, it became a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the other the other issues that uh, it was actually brought up on a podcast where uh, some of the critics, um, I think it was DB Electronics, HD Retrovision, uh, mentioned that the, the use of the BIOS, I mean, they what they wanted you to do was essentially get the BIOS from your other systems. But, I mean, practically nobody could do that. So they were saying, oh, find it online or get it online. And it's, and it's like, it's illegal to do that. I mean... Emulating it isn't legal, but using the the proprietary BIOS of PlayStation and Sega, I mean, it's it's just it's there's no gray area. It's just illegal. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that CD was asking people to commit a crime to use their system at its full potential was uh, one of the big one of the biggest issues as well. On top of using this orange pie, and it's just you know an orange pie connected to a CD drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it really comes down to it. Um, when I reviewed the thing, they did tell me full disclosure that you would need to put the BIOS in yourself. This is my personal opinion that what you choose to do in the privacy of your own home is none of my business. Interested in these devices are grown adults. You know exactly what you're getting into when you get into emulation. You know, you know that when you use MAME, 
on your arcade cab. You are loaded to the brim with illegal ROMs. You know that. Everybody knows that. When you emulate a Sega Saturn and you want it to run the best it can run, you are using a BIOS that you downloaded off the internet. Everybody knows that. It's no secret. So when I presented that, that was another big point of the ignorance part that you really need to preface it with, hey, this is illegal, guys. If you do this, you need to understand that. And in that video, I did not do that. And that was another big problem, I think, that people looked at it like, hey, man, you know, you have to steal to run these CD games, you know, and it's true. You know, they were asking you to do something illegal to even use the machine and me not making a point to put that in the video in more depth than I did was a huge mistake. Yeah, but uh, I mean, the way that it looked, it didn't seem it was malicious in any way. It just seemed that you really didn't. You just didn't review it to where a lot of people were expecting it to be. I mean, but again, a lot of it, like you said, well, was the the requirements you got. I mean, you couldn't open it up. You couldn't show the internals. Oh, yeah. Um, I couldn't open it up. I couldn't, you know, I mean, and they told me that the software wasn't finished either. The, the machine that I previewed had no front end whatsoever. When you cut the machine on, it was it sat at a CD uh, emblem on the screen, and when you put a disc in, it auto-launched the disc. So it had no front end to speak of whatsoever. They told me that it was going to be proprietary software for the front end, and it was going to use publicly available emulators. I didn't think to question it any further than that. And when the um, Lib Retro uh, situation came out, I actually, like the next day after, you know, I realized that this was going to be controversial. I realized it was kind of like, hey, you know what? I'm going to contact this guy through my personal Facebook and talk to him. And so I contacted the guys whose software was actually being used on the thing. I realized instantly that this team that that does the RetroArch uh, stuff, that they very bad business experience with the CD guys because this guy was openly hostile about the whole thing, man. And I was like, I understand this is who I am. I previewed this product. I did not know the story behind it. And I talked to him about it and he made it very clear that he did not want to give CD any more publicity than they already had from them he wanted them to go away he felt that if he did not broach the subject less people would know about it or in other words if he talked about it and gave them the press then it would just lead to other people giving them press because of that subject matter you know no such thing as bad press in other words and um he told me he was like look man they took our software without our blessing they basically told us to piss off, we're going to use it, and there's nothing you can do about it. And, you know, I was like, man, that sucks. I'm so sorry that it went that way. But, you know, like I said, he told me he did not want to give them any more press. You know, he did not want to talk about it. And so I respected his wishes, and I was like, okay, man, I understand completely. And then literally – 24 hours later, maybe 48 at the most, I got my doctor's news 
about the stress I was putting on my heart and what was going on. I closed the channel down. That video went down with the channel. And right then I considered the matter closed because nothing of mine was no longer promoting the CD. I got you. That came as a shock. You know, I'm subscribed to you and have the bell, you know, notifications. And then one night, uh, you know, sat down. I'm like, I'm going to watch uh, my helping of Sega Lord X. And it wasn't there. And I was like searching YouTube, like, where's, where's my favorite YouTube channel? <laughs> you know. And uh, I think that came as a shock to a lot of folks. And we've all missed you since, man. Yeah. Um, I got to just say this just to everybody that's listening. If you were a subscriber to my channel, I am so sorry that I did it that way. I was very emotional. Um, basically what it was is, is I'll just go ahead and say it. Um, I was diagnosed with a condition of my heart that caused heart palpitations, some pretty heavy medications ever since that helped straighten that out. And I haven't had any trouble in with it until last year when I saw my doctor and they, you know, listened to my heart and they could tell that I was having them again. So I went through some more tests and they told me that it had gotten worse and it had gotten worse because I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't exercising. My lifestyle at that particular point was making this condition so much worse. And I was told, look, you are, and I was at the time, you know, you are 42 years old. You are getting up there and this problem is getting worse. And you need to do something now before it gets to a point where we can't reverse it, man. It blew my mind. It, you know, you start thinking about mortality, dude, and it changes your whole life view in every single way. And like I said, it was a knee jerk reaction. I came home. I told my wife, Hey, closing the channel down. I'm not losing any more sleep over this damn thing. You know, this is it. This is done. And I pulled the channel and, Oh my God, there were so many better ways I could have done it. And like I said, to anyone that was subscribed and liked my content, I really do apologize for doing it that way. We're just glad you're back. (laughs) Exactly. So I want to thank you, Mel, for stopping by and sort of talking with us. I know a lot of that was, uh, must have been very difficult for you to talk about, but I mean, we really appreciate it. And I imagine your fans do as well with you being open and honest about yourself. Absolutely. It's it's no problem, man. I'm just I'm just glad to see that there are more Sega fans out there on YouTube. You know, I'm glad to see that, you know, more people are trying to get content out there to show people that uh you know Sega Sega meant something to this hobby once upon a time. And, you know, coming on here and, and talking about some of that and you know, me personally, you know, it's been great. Awesome. And you are due back in full force april 15th correct that's correct on april 15th my videos will begin dropping again i'm not going to have a regular schedule i'm just going to sort of put them up as i finish them but the changes that i've made to the channel may actually make these videos more frequent than they were before so we'll see how that goes and you know april 15th man i'm really excited about it do you want to plug which video you're going to uh you want to release first or do you want to keep that a surprise no i'll plug it right now i'm leading off with the uh, sega stv titan arcade board i'm actually going to talk about it show it 
show the games that I own for it. I actually own the board. Um, I'll talk about how, you know, the system can be hooked up to a modern television. And I'm going to talk about, you know, piracy for it. Because believe it or not, there is piracy for arcade boards that use cartridges, man. I mean, you knew the Neo Geo was like that because the Neo Geo was a popular system. But who the hell would make pirate carts for the Sega STV Titan board, man? And they're out there like you wouldn't believe. So, yeah, I'm going to be covering that stuff. Nice. Yeah. You have a consoleized? Actually, a few years ago, I had to give up my arcade machines. So I actually started collecting arcade boards and I made myself a super gun. And I use a super gun for all of my arcade stuff because I try to keep it original. I don't want to modify it to, you know, to consoleize it. Nice. Yeah. I, I was hoping to go down that route as well. So maybe we can have some side chats because I really want to get the STV and I really want to get the Naomi system up. So, yeah. So thank you, Sega Lord X. And uh, check him out on his, on his YouTube at Sega Lord X. And uh, do you have any other social media you want to plug? Your Twitter, Facebook? No, actually, the only other place that I have is Facebook. I'm Sega Lord X there as well. I do some blogs, I post some thoughts. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, see me talk about some other things there, you can definitely follow me on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Sega Zadong, shoot!